Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, good morning, and welcome to another early edition, early for us anyway, of Spin the Rally Pod. I'm Lisa O'Sullivan, the Rally Fan, and the team is all here. We have senior staff writer from Dirtfish.com, David Evans. We've got the man they call the voice of rally, Colin Clark, and our former motorsport team boss, George Donaldson, all in attendance. It's the beginning of May. It feels like winter in the UK, mm. but we're gearing up for Portugal whilst looking at some very interesting headlines in the world of WRC. Morning, lads. Morning, Good morning, Lisa. Everything well and happy this earlier in the morning? It's cold. This time last year, I kind of remember having the door open because it was too warm to record in my cabin in the garden. I call it cabin, garden shed, obviously. Um, studio, Lisa, studio. 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 But, but it's, it's really, it's, I, it doesn't feel like May. It, well, I mean, the May blossoms out, the apple blossom morning. looks amazing, but yeah. it's cold. We've got a proper frost this morning, everything's frost. And uh, when it's not frosty, it, it's blowing an easterly or a northerly, and it's cold. It's been cold for three weeks now. You had any snow, George? Yeah, massive amount of snow on Sunday and Monday. Massive, massive job. Wow. Massive. I, I, I drove. I drove down. Uh, I drove down from Braemar, uh, from actually Aberdeen via Braemar on Sunday, just just for a nice drive. And it then rained here all Monday, Sunday night and Monday. Uh, we got about fourteen, fifteen millimeters of rainfall. If if, if, if in fact it was, it was. Uh, it was 50, no, sorry, no, no, it was, it was 22 millimetres of rainfall we got on Monday and it was three degrees. So I'm at, I'm at 300 feet where, where we are and up on the, up on the top of Glenshee is, is nearly 2,000 feet. So it's about five or six degrees cooler. Of course, it was fell as snow. They had, they had a couple of feet of snow up there. It's a couple of the hills feet. are completely a couple of feet. A couple, couple of feet of snow, wow. uh, Colin. That's a proper absolutely. dump. That's a proper, proper dump. dump. You, yeah, absolutely. You, you, you raised... Um... The, the the discussion about Braemar. <laughs> Sorry, I was just actually reading something. Might need to to, to, to change that bit. Sorry, I will. Um, I'll I'll, just, I'll uh, definitely take it out, David. Absolutely, definitely <laughs> take it out. I'm sure. I'm sure you. Were. I was just reading something. Sorry, but George, when you were talking about Braemar there, uh, that given that we have started uh, the podcast and not dived immediately into the to the to the most important news of the day. I have a little bit of a story about Braemar. You know, when you were coming down from Aberdeen and down through Braemar, that's the road that goes between the sort of ski stations. And it's the most amazing road, isn't it? It drops yes, down it the valley and then you can see it going up the other side. And it just, it yep. goes on for, you can probably see the road for a couple of miles, but it's that's just... That's right. That's the bit from Slough down to down towards Braemar. So, you're, so here... You're coming there, yeah. So that's here's it. the thing. If you had the choice of car, to drive down that bit of road, a Porsche 911 Turbo 997 would be a pretty good choice, wouldn't it? It would be pretty stunning, yeah. It, it would, and it was. Was it, David? And it was. It was. <laughs> and I think it was around early October. We were there just after daybreak, so nobody around. Oh. Uh, and there was myself and a photographer, Drew Gibson. Uh, and we had gone, we'd set out on this most amazing road trip. We were retracing the route, the entire route of the 1960 RAC rally. So we, we'd, we'd borrowed this Porsche off, off Porsche, obviously. Started in Blackpool uh, and we'd gone right up to the top, um, all the way up to the to Ollapool and all around Ollipool, Scotland. Right, okay, the whole yeah, route around Gerloch and, and, and all of that. Uh, and we'd done, we'd followed it religiously. So we'd slept in the car. We'd done all of this stuff. We'd sort of slept in hotels while we were saying we were sleeping in the car, obviously. Um, and we'd come down to Tomintool, 
Yeah. Um, yep. And we'd spent, we'd spent the night. Tom <laughs> very actually we didn't sleep in Tom and Tool. We slept in Inverness and the really old hotel outside of Inverness that used to be mm-hmm. always used on the RAC. I can't remember its name. Hydro, the hydro. Mm-hmm. So it could have been the hydro. And we left the hydro dead early in the morning. Both of us quite confident that we would happen upon a filling station uh, between oh, massive there. mistake. <laughs> massive mistake. So we, we arrived at the top of that hill looking down that awesome valley and just ready to give it the beans in this 911 with the petrol light on. And we had to roll. We had to stick it in neutral and roll all the way down that hill because we've got no petrol. <laughs> did <laughs> so you get to Bray Mar or Ballater? What we did, did you try for? I, I can't remember. I can't remember now. Yeah, but Ballater would have been closer. With, yeah. But regardless, the most enormous disappointment at being yeah. given this. this it's actually, like, you know, I, I suspect. It's, actually, I, it's, it's like Picasso being given a, a, a blank canvas and no pencils, really, isn't it? Yeah. Or pens. Well, or... it sort of, sort of <laughs> is. However, however uh, unlike Picasso, uh, his, his, bit of, uh, his bit of blank paper wouldn't kill you, and that road would. You, you've, <laughs> said, you've, you've, you've mentioned about this massive downhill and then a, just a couple of sweeping corners and then a few crests and then more. There are couple of um, switchback corners in there. Yeah. So this massive wide fast flowing road where you could cruise along at ridiculously high speeds. Ridiculously yeah. high speeds. I mean, you know, you could easily be doing 140, 150 miles an hour on some of those roads if you wanted to be. But you wouldn't. Well, I, you if, I mean, would, I, obviously, obviously I wouldn't, but 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 if if you wanted to, that's the sort of road it is. Incredible wow. road. And then all of a sudden, you get very narrow bits, and you get these lovely long crests, lovely long corner. It tightens and tightens and tightens and tightens and tightens, and it tightens to something ridiculous. And anybody coming down there in a Porsche, a little bit, a little bit (laughs) quick, a little bit, and the car's starting to go light. You press slightly lacking in talent. They're not going to, they're not going to grip, and all of a sudden you're making the, you've made the 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 worst and actually the last mistake of your life. Well, I can and say that petrol light saved your life. Yeah, absolutely. There you are. It, it, so, it, it so now we will did. we will jump in now to the uh, the but just, just pressing before we do, just before we do, Lise, actually two more two more very very <laughs> quick stories about that okay, same bit quick. of road. Same bit of road. First, that's the first place I ever saw a golden eagle, and oh, second second place just further. I think it must have been just past Braemar. Uh, we passed. Uh, Kate Middleton and what's yeah. what's her name? William the... Harry William. Yeah, it's William. very very close William. to Balmoral, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, William. No, no, they were in a fleet of Range Rovers coming in the opposite direction. Uh, but uh, yeah, very exciting, an exciting mm. bit of road. And actually, yeah. what we'll do is we'll 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 tweet a picture and we'll even Instagram a picture of of, uh, of Porsche. Porsche. Yes, going very slowly down that lovely bit of road. Okay. <laughs> Can't believe you stuck. I can't wait. I can't William wait. William and Kate are the best part of that story. Things there. <laughs> for the cognoscenti amongst our amongst our listenership, um, if you do want to drive that road, um, any at the, evening at the at the approved summer, speed limit. Also, yeah, any, any <laughs> evening in summer, you'll hardly come across a vehicle. Basically, you'll hardly come across a vehicle. And, and if you do, uh, this probably it's probably Kate Middleton driving a Range Rover. If, if you do, yeah, but also also if you angle. have a. If you have a GPS on 3D image up on the dashboard, um, the, the 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 GPS mapping for that area is pretty good. It'll tell you the it'll it'll point out the killer corners before you come to them. So you use your little GPS as a navigator. Stops you stops you making the. Uh, who's, who's fiddling who's, papers in the background or opening? Uh, no, sorry, that's door. that's me. That's me. That's me. Actually, but it is for a very good reason. Uh, because what I'm doing now is I'm now there looking for. can't be any good reasons. There is. I'm looking for the CD with those bloody pictures on. Right. Okay. Save um, that for later. David. We'll, we'll save that for later because we we are, we are on a, we're on time schedule here and uh, we haven't got to anything. <laughs> Exciting. Least, least. Now, Help. I have actually just to come back to that, I've got oh. so much to do today because while we were doing the intro, I was actually going through my diary and copying it, copying out everything that was in my diary for yesterday. I've just copied over to, to today oh. simply because <laughs> yesterday roll over was tot- <laughs> totally taken over, taken up and taken over. Uh, by Oiktanek and Thierry Neville. See? Oh, Seamless. Nice go. segue. Lovely segue. So yeah, see? they I have like pledged that. their future. Mm. Hyundai. Discuss. David, yeah, David, yes. is that a surprise to you? Because I, I, you know, I, I clearly we knew they were discussing. Clearly we knew that Tanak and Neuville, there was a very, very good chance that they would renew their contracts. But for me, for it to come so early in the season, 
was a real, real surprise. I thought there was a good chance that at least one of those two would be in reasonably involved discussions with M Sport. I, I was quite taken by surprise by it all. I I was surprised at the timing, like you, Colin. It did come it did come early, but only because you know traditionally and historically we're used to uh, we're used to looking around the summer around Finland time. You know, I wrote a column yesterday saying it always used to be Evascular um, and Rally Finland where you'd start to talk mm. about contracts yeah. and what have you, um, but. Equally, talking to a couple of people uh, in the Tanak camp, I was directed back to 2019. Um, and the first time that Tanak mentioned to us, to me, about you know the fact that he wanted to get his deal done early. Oit Tanak is a man who likes to understand where he's going in his future and a very, very early in the season. This year is more important than ever uh, for, for the drivers to know where they're going and where they're going to be. Because... The, they sort of need to, to to get as much development seat time, testing time with mm. the with the new generation of cars. Yeah. So very good you know, point, David. Yeah. For, for Tanak to say, "Yep, stay in a Hyundai," that's him sorted. So for the next six months, he knows he can have significant influence on the direction of the car um, and what have you for, for next year. So I was like you, Cole. I was very surprised at the timing that it came so quickly, and you know, I hadn't even started really asking the question. Uh, I'd spoken to Malcolm, of course, Malcolm Wilson. We'd written a story saying that Malcolm Wilson would like to get Tanek back. Um, that didn't happen. I, I did, like you think, that you know, if it's not Tanek, I thought that perhaps Neville could go back to, uh, to M-Sport um, after, of course, he had that season there in 2013. The fact that they're both committed, I think, demonstrates the, the commitment, uh, the wherewithal, um, that that mm. Hyundai Motorsport has moving yeah. forward. Do you know what I see from all this, guys? Is a massive opportunity for one of the young drivers um, to actually, you know, for someone to take it, put a banker on one of the young drivers that have come up and been discarded, but they're still hovering around. Very, very talented, and they just need, you know, the, the, you come up, you get a victory, you get close to many victories, and then you seem to fade away a little bit. Now that's. That's yeah. not real. That's yeah, yeah. That's not you know. You, you've, yeah. we've got two or three Esapeka. Where's Esapeka? Three, three, George, there's three or four. There's three, there's or, three four or four. That, so that, there's a great situation. chance for all those guys. I think. It's be very see. foolish not to. There's a lot of experience in some of them. You, if you if you think any of them have got the got that last little bit of determination. Um, who, who's not had the chance, George? Who's not had the well, chance to prove themselves? There's a big issue here for M Sport because you know. I've always categorized the drivers into at least two groups. You could argue there's maybe three groups, but there's what I call the elite drivers who are fighting for the championship and who could win any rally. They go to every rally with the intention to win. And right now, there is Neuville, there's Tanak, uh, there is probably, well, there's definitely for next season, Elvin Evans. He would put Callie Rovenpera into that group. Where do you look beyond that? You know, there's Ogier, obviously, this year, but but... You know, is he around next year? Chances are he's not. But beyond those four drivers, who are we looking at? As, well, I, wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't write off. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't write off Sunanen and and Esapeka, but not not for everything. They've not got that breadth of. Uh, but that, this is not. That, I'm not, not experienced. No, no, I don't write them off, George. But uh -huh. M Sport need more than that. M Sport needs someone because you know, what we've seen with M Sport, and we saw it in 2017. Uh, okay, they had Ogier in the car, but you know they are very, very capable, mm -hmm. and you'd almost say they are probably um, in the best position to come out, you know, flying with a car. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they will make a car yeah. that's capable of winning, but it's only capable of winning if it's got a driver in it who can make it win. And I think they've got a huge problem now. I don't think that's an, under, an overstatement, David. But no, it's not. But who's to say that they don't buy Elvin Evans back? No, I, I don't. That's I, that I think is absolutely fanciful thinking. I, I think the chances of that are practically zero. Practically zero. Why? Evans, a, a because Toyota have got an issue as well. Toyota ain't going to let him go. If, if Toyota let him go, they've got a massive problem. B but because to, he. To, to the only way Toyota will keep him is is if they if they offer him more. Well, who knows if they offer him. But, but money, money talks, and we know that money yeah. money talks. And and Elvin Evans is in a remarkably good position with Toyota. He's comfortable in the team. He's, it's a very different dynamic for Evans and Toyota from the dynamic we saw at M Sports. Um, he is still maturing as a driver with Toyota. They will give him the car 
They'll give him the budget. They'll give him the commitment. Evans is going nowhere. He is going nowhere. Um, but for me, be... you know, bizarre, not bizarrely at all, but for me, Elvin Evans is the prime mover now in, in, the, in what's a, a much kind of more condensed, silly season of, of driving market moves. He's the one. He's the only one that can really decide, yep, you know, I can go there as a team leader or I can go there as a team leader. You know, we spoke to Yari Matty uh, earlier in the, in the week and I asked him, do you consider Elvin Evans to be a team leader? Yes, I do. So, do you, do you know the bizarre thing, David? You know, if Yari Matty hadn't taken that job, we'd be talking about Yari Matty as probably the favourite to take that M Sport seat. Well, I, I think almost without any question, because you, we have mentioned maybe the number. It's, maybe it's not too late, Cole. Maybe we should get him back on the phone <laughs> and say, "Been your yeah. team principal." Please. No, but, but get it, back you know, in the in the car. But it, it shows the situation we're in. George mentions drivers that that, that have been there. You know, there's clearly Lappy. There's clearly Sunanen. There's uh, you know, there's 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 Osberg. You might go to Osberg. There's Craig Breen. There is Andreas Mickelson. I think Andreas Mickelson is probably yeah. the man who will head Absolutely. up M Sport. And let's not forget Hayden Padden. Hayden Padden is as good a driver now as he ever was, and he was an exceptional driver when he. And when he, as we as we discussed, sorry to jump in again, Cole. That's right. Enormous apologies for that. No, but no, Padden, he's got, he's got the green his, credentials. <laughs> Absolutely, Lee. You know, he's. We've talked about his his ability to drive these these electric cars. And, and increasingly, as we spoke to Matthew Wilson last week, who's done an awful lot of mileage in, in the, the actual hybrid car with, the, with the, the, all of the, the bits on it, there is a real different way of driving them now. You know, you've got to work with the regen, you've got to do all of this other stuff that Padden, it'll be second nature to him because he spent so long developing his own mm. Kona EV, hasn't he? Yeah, but the problem Padden's got and all of those other drivers I just mentioned is that none of them I've got regular seat time. And what we've seen with Craig Breen, Craig Breen is massively talented. Mm. And in certain circumstances, on certain surfaces, you know, the likes of obviously Robin Yamey, and then we go back to Estonia last year, it is possible. It is possible with an uber-talented driver to jump into one of these cars and to get a result. But not, no, you know, it's going to take, particularly on tarmac, it's going to take time. And none yeah. of those drivers have got seat time. None of them have got the seat time required at the top level. As I say, I don't think I don't think it's too much to say that it's a bit of a crisis for M Sport with a driver, a bit of a crisis. Mm. I, no, think, I think I think pardon of all the drivers you've mentioned, obviously Craig Craig Green is still is, is still producing that level of consistent result with the, with the, with flashes of real proper brilliance, you know, proper WRC winner brilliance. Uh, so definitely still worth a punt, as Hyundai are demonstrating, uh, both uh, in faith and, and Craig is returning in, in performances. But uh, uh, I think Padden's still an interesting, uh, an interesting um, bet. I'm going to make a prediction. I think we will see Andreas Mikkelsen investing in the next four or five rallies, and he'll do maybe three or four of them in a world rally car, because Mikkelsen knows this is an opportunity. And as you rightly say, David, Whoever gets that lead drive at M Sport next year, and listen, they might surprise us all. Adrian Formo might might turn out to be the next Robin Bell, the next Oliver Solberg. That's that's possible, you know. Then he's a season too early to, to lead the team, but then you have someone you know can potentially win rallies on a regular basis. But I think Mickelson is the man, and I think Mickelson will invest in two, three, four maybe runs in a World Rally Car before the end of the year. And he will be the man because I just don't see anyone else that's got the, the potential to, to win regularly. Andres has made it clear that his his intention with his WRC two program is that he will do the first six rounds, so that's up to Safari, uh, and then he'll wait. He'll, he he essentially gets his WRC two program out of the way. Uh, obviously, he's got his seventh round. Uh, he'll just sit and wait. He'll have that seventh round floating so that he can mm -hmm. see who's doing what with the with with, with the championship, who's going where. Because uh, obviously with WRC2, all of the rounds count, but you just have to nominate. I think you nominate seven, you score on six. Um, so he's he's got that top sports Skoda program. Uh, but that does, it, it really frees him up for the second half of the season. You know, there's mm -hmm. potentially five events there that he can go and do uh, in, a, in a world rally car. And and as he's, he's said before, you know, he does have the money. He's got the cash ready for the, for the investment. Uh, and of course, M Sport has a car ready and waiting, uh, yeah. quite possibly with his name on. Uh, and there you, are, you know, there are events. You look to the, the Spain in the second half of the year, he's won there. You know, he's won 
you know, plenty of events, or he hasn't won mm. plenty of events, but he's he's got great experience on all of those events, mm. um, apart from Japan. Uh, and desperately racking my brains. No other events, no other new ones in the second half of the year, is there? Well, not yet, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, but I think um, you're right, Cole. You know, I think we will see him in a world rally car, and it'll be very exciting um, to see, you know, what he what he can do. But there is there's that huge pool. You know, you've just listed all of them with the likes. I didn't. Of Breen I missed one out. I missed one out. Breen for me is another interesting one. I think Breen. Breen, the timing with Breen seems to be against him as always. You know, he mm. had a when Loeb came back into Hyundai, Breen more or less had a, a deal in principle, didn't he, to do more rounds that year. Um, mm. I think I think the emergence of Oliver Solberg. Uh, might well Padden, Padden lost out. I'd say Padden was a bigger Padden, loser to Loeb. Yeah, he was. But but here's here's one here's one for you to consider. Um, you know, we talked about or I talk about these elite drivers. Uh, there was one that was amongst the elite and then dropped out and then spectacularly disappeared. Um, you know, should we write off Chris Meek? Is Chris, Chris Meek a plausible option or not? I, you know, he is a driver who can win any rally if his head's There's, in the right place. The, and there is no win. doubt that, that, that Chris Meek, he remains one of the fastest drivers from A to B. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's natural talent and absolute ability. You know, he's got but, great experience of developing yeah. cars. Exactly. Um, yeah. George, would you, would you take a chance on Meek? Because Meek, Meek, you know, it's, it's, you know, I suppose it's reasonable to say that it's his attitude that's been questioned over the years. You know, you know Malcolm Wilson well, George. Would, do you think that there is history between Meek and, and Wilson and they've never had the easiest and the smoothest of relationships? But, you know, Malcolm Wilson is not one to shirk a challenge, is he, George? Uh, no, no, he's not. But uh, I, don't, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't think that that's a, a great option. Myself, no. I think no. Chris has been, you know, he's been away. He's done Dakar. He's 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 mm -hmm. sort of seeing he's life maybe, from a different perspective now. Yeah, he's maybe, and maybe, enjoying maybe it. doing what he wants to do. Yeah. Mm. So, so, yeah. so, who do we write off then, guys? I mean, and who do we put in the frame? You know, do, do we write uh, Mads Osberg out of it? Is he one that we can say no, that's not going to happen? Esapeka Lappe, do we write him off, or can he no. potentially step up? Who, who, who do we? If we have to cull. I tell you what's interesting in that list of drivers you've got, because I keep forgetting that every year I'm getting older. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Mads Osberg and uh, Andreas Mickelson, and you know, not that long ago they were the young drivers in the sport. Yeah. They're now becoming older old. drivers, shall we say, mm. very carefully. And and you know, it is people like the Adrian Formo and um, the Oliver Solbergs that you're kind of looking at investment drivers that if you're going to sign them up, you want to tie them down maybe to, to longer contracts. Um, yes, you've got the experience of the older drivers, but the cars are changing with the hybrid technology. Are, is it is it wiser to go for the younger drivers or do the no. older drivers adapt better? You know, there, there's it's, so many different permutations. There's, you know, for Malcolm Wilson, there's, there's, there's no permutations lease he needs a frontline driver they've winner ford, ford has invested in mm. in developing that car alongside m sport malcolm needs that car to come out of the box with somebody in it that's capable of winning monte carlo in january next year end of that narrows the list doesn't it it totally <laughs> narrows the list 100 it, it, well, it makes the list almost impossible well how about Ogier going back Ogier, Ogier, george is, is, no? is, is, is oh, that's another huge gamble he can't uh, do yeah. Monty though, because he's doing Dakar, isn't he? Yeah, but it's another huge gamble, you know. Did 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 Loeb have a, a fair crack at the whip at Hyundai? Well, you know, I think the Hyundai story is evolving. It's very much evolving in terms of that car on tarmac. You know, we, we have yeah. seen Mickelson in the car, we've seen Loeb in the car, we've seen Breen in the car, Tanak in the car on tarmac, all really struggling. The only guy that makes that car work is the guy that developed the car, which is Neville. So, so maybe, maybe our view of of, of Loeb in those two years with Hyundai is slightly tainted by that. Maybe he's still capable of winning. But the thing is, we're talking about Loeb and we're saying maybe. That, for me, is question mark enough. Um, yeah. I, 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 just, I just think it's a really difficult situation. The point you make, Lisa, about the young drivers being investment drivers, you're absolutely right. They are investment drivers. Mm. But, you know, as David said, Malcolm doesn't need an investment driver. He's had enough of those over the years. He needs <laughs> or he a winner. does as a second driver, Cole. Well, yeah, okay, but, but that's not the point. Second drivers, third drivers, we can argue all day about those. The yeah. most important thing after this Thank week's announcement is the number one and who 
can deliver the wins that, as you say, Markham has promised. You know, the car will be capable. There is absolutely no question the car will be capable of winning. The, the, only the with problem the right is, the, the difficulty is, isn't it? You know, if you're if you're Elvin Evans, if you're Calais Rompero, we think Calais has uh, an option. I think Toyota has the option on, on him for next year. I'm sure Toyota will take up that option. Uh, so maybe Calais out of the picture anyway. But, you know, if you're Elvin and you're sitting there, you know, you know, we know the kind of car that M Sport can engineer. You know, look at 2017 car. It came out. Auger had, the, but they had both championships sewn up in September. Uh, mm. you, you know that was how good that car was, and we've seen this in 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 the last homologation cycle where M Sport hits the ground running quicker, faster than anybody else. Although Hyundai was quick with Thierry, uh, you look back to Monty in Sweden in seventeen. He probably should have won both of those events across the spread of that season. It was the Fiesta that was the quickest car. Then what happened? And the most was, reliable. It, and yeah. the most reliable. Everybody else sort of caught up a little bit, didn't they, then? Uh, and then M Sport, unfortunately, didn't have the, the budget uh, to, to continue the development of the car at the same speed that everybody else had. So, therefore, the, you know, while a Fiesta is still a car that can win, uh, as we saw with Formos Pace in, in Croatia, um, you know, perhaps the, the overall budget uh, left them, them, them wanting a little bit in, the, in this sort of 18, well, not 18, because Sergio was still champion, 19, 20, uh, and this year. So what do you do if you're Elvin Evans? You know that potentially you can go there in 2022 and you can have a car that's going to be the quickest out of the box. But then in years two, three, four, you could, or two and three, you could struggle. Mm. For me, he he will probably stay at, at Toyota where you, oh, know, I think you, know no question. you are going to get a really strong car from, from Tom Fowler. Um, and you've got the wherewithal to, to, to keep it going for the next, you know, it's only a three-year homologation cycle, isn't it, this one? So... You know, a three-year deal for Elvin would be would be a dream, really, for from Toyota. As more or less team leader, um, yeah. because I I don't see Robin Pell. I, I think Toyota next year is is almost settling in. I I will be astonished if Evans leaves Toyota. It'll be Toyota with Evans leading, with Robin Pell as the number two, and I suspect Katsuta-san will be the number three driver, particularly if he if he if he continues with the form he's showing at the start of this year. I think that's, that's a settled team, and I think that's a team that can win championships for them. I think it's a team that Evans is driving. Going to stay? No, no, I, I, I think that's a that's a discussion for further down the line. But I'm with you there, George. That was exactly what I was about to say. That you know, I think there is definitely potential that we'll see Ozier on a few rounds next year. But I take everything that you said there, Carl. I think uh, you know Toyota don't they don't really nominate drivers, do they? So you know, all this talk of a team leader, well, Elvin. Yeah. Elvin, Calais and Takasan and Auger, they all get the same kit. Uh, they all get the access, same access to, to all of the same data and settings. Mm. But it's just that person at the top, isn't it, who sits in the debrief and opens the debrief. Uh, and you need somebody with vast experience. Elvin Evans has that. Uh, Calais doesn't. Um, so, but I think it, it would, you're quite right, it would be a very, very settled team and a very successful team to take them forward. And it would tick all of the boxes with Takasan there as the Japanese driver and not, you know, absolutely not a token driver. No. You know, two fastest times in Croatia. The boy is getting quicker and quicker. Mm. No, I, I think I think that would be the situation. And I, and, I, and I think, you know, okay, anything is possible. Anything's possible with Loeb. Anything's possible with Ogier. Um, But, you know, for, for Loeb to get back into the swing of things, he has to get involved, I think, this year. I, I don't think you can, you can bring him in, you know, the, uh, round two or round three, whatever it might be next year. Uh, you've yeah. got to get him involved this year. You've got to have him involved in the development of the car if you're M Sport. But again, um, Cole, we've, we've talked around the easy one there. You know, that's just dawned on me. We've, we've done the easy selection for Toyota. We haven't answered your central question. What does M Sport do? Well, Who's this is what we're we'll trying to do. That? Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to answer that and, and, and by, by <clears throat> trying to work out where the other drivers are going. And it's, it's George, I, 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 I am really, really struggling beyond Mickelson. Uh, it's a gamble. It's a massive gamble on any of the other drivers, on the Formos, the Lappies, the Sunanans. It's a massive gamble. Well, even even with um, Andreas Mickelson, and I mean, as a guy, I mean, I, you hate almost saying some of the things you say about these drivers um, if, if you're being slightly negative. But let's not forget that uh, that Andreas had a, a couple of fairly poor years in the WRC. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, he, he, he almost, he almost he, looked spent. I don't think he's spent, but he looked spent. He, he did not get it together. To be fair, I think he did right at the end. He did get it together. He got out of that rut and he got himself back into the right place. And then he, and I, then he sort of lost the chance. I think, George, that's why he needs to get in a fiesta because, you know, there's no doubt he mm-hmm. struggled like hell in the, in the Hyundai. He was quick in the Citroen, wasn't he? You know, we saw good times mm, Germany. in that, in yeah. that Citroen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Hyundai, it just didn't work for him. Totally didn't work for him. Um, and, and there's a driver that had been absolutely used to a car that fitted him, you know, like the, yep. the, hand, the, the glove on the hand in, in Volkswagen. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I don't think that Andreas had the ability at that time to come out of Volkswagen and say, right, that's what I want from the car. And in fact, he wasn't in a position, was he? He was never in a position to go to a team and say, change it. But maybe, you know, his time at Volkswagen where he was effectively, you know, somebody had interpreted what he needed from the car or the car just happened to suit him. Mm. He maybe didn't have the collateral to go and be able to explain and, and work with an engineer to get what he wanted. I'm sure he will be now. He'll be refocused like you can't believe. Yeah. And going to somewhere like M Sport, what an incredible fit that would be. I, I could I could really see that working. I could really see him coming to the fore. I could really see M Sport enjoying working with him and, and you know, really nurturing him and bringing him on as we know that M Sport can do. You know, they've, they've, they've done it in the past. So, But the one thing we have to remember here is that, you know, at the top of this season, Andreas Mikkelsen sat us all down and said to us, watch this, I will dominate WRC2 this year. He won Monte Carlo and totally dominated it. He, you know, he was beaten comfortably, hard to say, but, you know, he was soundly beaten by Asapeka Lappi in Finland. And then mm-hmm. he's made a mistake in Croatia. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that statement was, was somewhat naive, David. I'm not entirely I, sure he paid much attention to the quality in WRC2 over the last couple of years, you know. And, I, well, it, it evolved as well, didn't it, Carl? You know, we didn't, we didn't know Lappi was coming then. No. Um, and, no. and I think you, you're probably right. But and it, guys you know, like Gryzan have developed as drivers. Osberg, Osberg, funnily enough, I think has developed as a driver. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure where he would sit if you put him back in the World Rally Car, but I think he's got better as, as a driver, an all-round driver. And as a development driver, Cole. That's exactly right, exactly. That's my point. He spent a lot of time in R5 cars. I think he's got two days today in Argonne, and we're, we're recording this on the Friday uh, before Portugal. He's spending a lot of time in the car, but, um, you know, I think, I think Andreas Mikkelsen very, very much underestimated the quality of the competition. Those, those those are very flippant kind of PR sort of statements you throw out there at the start. Yeah, of the but season. no, it, but he didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't delivered in that manner at all, Colt. You know, it was a considered opinion that you know he talked about a lot. You know, he said, you know, he doesn't want to just win. He doesn't. You know, the championship isn't actually that important. He wants to dominate rallies. He wants fastest times. So you know, he put he put some thought behind it, and it perhaps was a little bit ill advised. But just to jump back to another point, you know, we talked about Osberg there. He is spending so much time, probably more time in an R5 car, in a Rally 2 car, than anybody else this year. Does that not make him more relevant for a Rally 1 car next year than any other driver? Because we're back to having no centre diff. We're back to a five-speed sequential stick shift gearbox. We're down to limited aero. All of that is, is, is much more attuned to a, to a driver coming out of a Rally 2 car, isn't it, George? Well, I think that there's certainly something to be said for that. I think ultimately the, the, the speed of the new cars, that that last little bit of speed seems to be quite hard to, to, to find sometimes, you know, that living living out there a little bit quicker. That that said, um, nearly all these drivers we're talking about have made steps all the way through their career and um, mm. and, and they're familiar with that also, that, that, that top end. So I don't think any of them would have any difficulty in terms of relevance. Yeah, match fitness R5 helping you to get into WRC2. Well, none of it hinders, that's for sure. I would say mm. that much. Whether whether it would be a physical help, I'm just trying to put myself. It's an awful long time ago since I um, since I was an up and coming young driver. But um, okay, here's here's one for I, you then, George. Then, then let let's put you in a in a, a stage. Say I don't know. It, Portugal next year. It's pouring with rain, absolutely lashing it down. It's a 2001-style Portugal, and you're going mm. in there with, with no centre diff. You know, yeah. that's where, you you know, the experience of driving an R5 car would surely help you then, wouldn't it? It might do. I mean, the simplicity in, in some ways yeah. of driving it. So, I mean, in, in many ways, it's... it's The lack of expectation one... from the car. Well, I mean, but the car, a, a constant four-wheel drive car is in... in, in 
some engineering parlance you might call it a bit of a tractor uh, mm. which is which is disparaging to tractors because they're much more technical than rally cars are <laughs> these days even even the current rally cars tractors are incredible if anybody's interested in technology but the the bottom line is they are very very consistent uh, and and they're not quite spectacular you know there'll be a little bit more sideways with them there's less ability to control some of the the attitude um um altering dynamics of a car so you're just basically it'll come in you know when you get to a certain speed it's going to start to go sideways and if you go a little bit faster it's going to be more sideways sort of thing so it's a balance so yeah i think it 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 certainly it, it must make the r5 experience and and um uh what do you what do you call the 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 mileage that people have had that it must make it more relevant yeah i mean it must do it has to because it, that, that's what the cars are reverting to so it must be it must be to a great mm. extent yeah i think it'll so be interesting what, what, these i'm, I'm going to have to shuffle us along a little bit because we've got yes. two more topics that we want to get in and all we've managed to do here is highlight the the massive problem that M Sport have. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we, we've gone round and round and just just thrown well, a light on, appear, on how tricky it, it is. Appear, yeah, it would appear they have the choice of about five or six drivers, and none of them would be particularly wrong, but only yeah. one no. of them will be absolutely right. But the, don't forget, okay, none, of, the none of them stories, might be absolutely. Right. I, I'm shuffling this on because we are we are limited for time. I want to talk about the the hundred percent um, sustainable biofuel, but before we talk about that. What is this deal that Christian Lorio has done to basically, I don't know, he's got like a job share or is he working for two teams? Has he just, has he gone fully freelance? Welcome to the world of freelancing. David, what do you know? What do you know, David? He, he and, will... and perhaps you can explain it because I haven't explained it very clearly there. So Christian Lorio was, is the M Sport technical director. He, since 2013, he has focused on the Bentley race side of the uh, M-Sport operation. But, you know, just to look back further to, to what Laurie has done, he started at Rassport uh, in Belgium running Group A Escort Cosworth. He then moved to ProDrive and worked his way up through ProDrive uh, to become the, the, the technical. I guess he was never really technical director because obviously Lappy is a te- David Lapworth is a technical director. But his one of the, the finest uh, points for, for, for Loria was that 2000, 2001 car. I can't remember which. It was such a massive moment for him. Uh, was it the 2000 car that he... It was the 2000 car, wasn't it? You know, that yeah. was the, the first car that had the, the lower centre of gravity and everything. He then moved to M Sport um, and delivered that exquisite 2003 Focus. Uh, and then, of course, the 2006 Focus, which was the, the car that delivered Ford's first world championships since 79. So, you know, a great, fabulous engineering brain um, on him. So, sort of turned his back on rallying and went racing from 13. But now is going to spend two weeks of every month working on Hyundai, working at Hyundai Motorsport on, I guess, their 2022 car. Uh, it was not a move that I saw coming. Uh, absolutely not. And I do think that absolutely... These two things, uh, Oit Tanek staying at Hyundai and Christian Lorio arriving at Hyundai, I think they are absolutely inextricably linked. Do, do, uh, do you think, David, just to interrupt, do you think that, that Tanak was the, the instigator of that? 100%. Do you think Tanak said, I'm staying 100%. if you bring Lorio? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That shows yeah. the influence that Tanak's got already in that team, doesn't it? Shows how much they want him as well. Absolutely, it does. You know, if you look, if you look back, you know, Lorio and who was who was Lorio's, you know, essentially his partner in crime in that 2003 car it was Marco Martin. Mm. The two of them are, you know, they're really, really good friends um, and they work incredibly well together. Uh, and, and obviously Marco has a big influence with, with Oit. Uh, Oit worked with, with Christian um, at M Sport as well. I, I definitely think that, uh, yeah. But it's it's such a strange situation because, you know, He's spending, as you say, splitting his time between M Sport and Hyundai. Now, when he goes to M Sport, they're going to have to keep him away from the world rally car side of things. Probably not that difficult. Um, but, you know, but you have to trust the guy. There's a massive amount of trust involved in this, this deal. Yeah, but, this it, but when there, he goes, but David, conversely, when he goes to Hyundai, Hyundai's got a burgeoning race car program, a, a circuit program. You know, how much of the, uh, the M Sport knowledge potentially? Might he be bringing to that? Will he be involved in the race car side of things at Hyundai? 
haven't heard that yet. Maybe not. Maybe it's just there for the rally it's, program. But the whole thing is 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 an unusual, shall we say, situation. I haven't heard of that happening really very often in ever. any any form of business. Never mind motorsport. In any form of business, where it's very odd. That, that does happen in very, journalism. Very it can you, happen you, in journalism where you're you, working for rival organisations. Yeah, you could look at someone like Adrian Newey, and you know he's reached a point where he works sometimes with Red Bull. Then he's he was working on that um, on the 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 America's Cup uh, effort, wasn't he? You know he's done. So I think when you reach a certain level, you know these these opportunities do come. We know Cole from being up at M Sport that you know. You can walk in at one end of that evaluation center uh, into the race car entrance and you would never see mm. any hint of a rally car. You know, you can lose no. yourself. It's enormous, you that place. I, I, um, I, I, the, the, physical, the physical distancing, the physical separation for me isn't the issue. Uh, no. I, I think it 100% relies on trust. Uh, trust from everyone involved, from you know, who would have been L'Oreal's subordinates at M Sport to the people he's yeah. working with at Hyundai. And, and I think it's a great, it's a great sign. It's a great sign of the faith that Malcolm has in Christian and that Adamo has in L'Oreal, that they're actually prepared to, to trust him to, to do the job as the professional that he quite clearly is. It is odd, but, Very but you odd. know what? It's, it's Christian L'Oreal. He is, he's a maverick. He's a different sort of person. He's always been out there, hasn't he? he speaks his mind, does what I he wants to do. There's and one I think, thing that I would like to say about, or say to Christian Laurio, if he's listening, I'm not sure he's a great fan of the podcast, but if, if you are listening, Christian, I have to say an enormous sorry for that picture that we used on the website. <laughs> it was <laughs> awful. It was it awful. Was, it was not <laughs> ideal. Was, if you've got a better awful. picture, Christian, please send it, and I'm sure you have many better pictures. Um, oh. Please feel free to send them in, and we will post them on Twitter, and we'll use them in our next stories about you, of which I'm sure there will be many. But actually, there won't be many stories where we talk to Christian Laurier, will we? Because as M Sports engineering consultant, Cole, how much access will we, the media, get to Christian Laurier? Absolutely much, not. None, none whatsoever. Yeah, and, and fair enough, that's mm -hmm. the way they'll play it. Um, you know, there's always Markham. Markham's always good for a word or two, isn't he? Uh, he is, or, or, or know, that's, that's one of my frustrations is that, you know, uh, we all love Adamo. Of course we do. Uh, but, you know, we we don't get the opportunity Ooh. to find out too much um, about the technical side of Hyundai because Adamo dictates all of the, the discussion about his team. You know, for very fiercely protective, fiercely protective of them. But it is, it is very, very frustrating at times, mm. you know, that we can go and talk to Chris Williams at M Sport, we can talk to Tom Fowler at Toyota, we get nothing. Uh, and, you know, I, I think our, our readership is, is, is left kind of wanting a little bit in that direction. You know, there's a huge number of questions that I would love to ask on the technical side. Every time you ask Andrea about them, he reverts you back to January 2019 when he said, I will not talk about technical matters. Well, that's that's great, but you know no we use would like whatsoever. Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we've got we've got just under ten minutes left before Colin sticks the car in first and takes Harry to school. Yeah. Um, uh, about eight would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a chance to get your get yourself get your keys, George. Um, the WRC has announced it's going to integrate the hybrid technology by introducing a 100% sustainable fuel. Now, jokingly, we have cut you off when you've started talking about um, sustainable fuel, but this is right up your strata, isn't it? No, <laughs> it's clearly not. Yeah. Up, when did up George yours, go? basically. Up the <laughs> <laughs> no, but you were really interested in this and you were going to tell it us about super, it. And we were it mean to you, weren't we? You were absolutely mean to me. That's why I was wearing the half there. <laughs> okay, easy for you to edit out, I'm sure. The, uh, the sustainable fuels, uh, biofuels, call it what you want. Fascinating subject. Uh, so, yeah, I will not bore you with it for more than, more than uh, 30 or 40 seconds. And then I'll just go silent again. But but there are some amazing developments in sustainable fuels, in fuels, fuels I don't even understand about, fuels that are that are made by scrubbing the CO2 out of the atmosphere, combining it with things like, um, oh, and I've forgotten all the elements that are involved, uh, ammonia and all sorts of things, uh, uh, again, scrubbed out of, uh, out of waste and combined into a liquid fuel that you can currently get experimentally it's being made experimentally and used with a very similar calorific value to to current 
you know, hydrocarbon fuels and uh, uh, at the same sort of cost already without it going into massive production. So uh, electric cars, yes, absolutely. Oh, George, We're going to see some of them. But, George, but before, before we go on that, George, just, just explain when, when they talk about sustainable, where is uh, it coming from? I'm an absolute. Well, you know, it'll, I, I, it'll be. So, so it'll what, be what, grown, is, is it trees? Is it plants? Is it what is it? Cow yeah, waste? It, it, what is it? It tends to be. It tends to be um, uh, oils. So it can be. Um, it can be um, canola oil. I've heard canola oil. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you because you plant it every plant year, oils. you grow it, you yeah, fertilize okay. it, and it comes yeah. around. Um, yeah. Okay. It's all. I mean, yeah. the whole planet. You just got to figure one thing out. Everything that's here is here. You know, there's very little extra comes. It did all come at one point. You know, it arrived here and the planet amalgamated. It's all here. In a closed and system. It, and it, it can go around and around. And you think, well, there's, there's got to be a finite limit to that. But there's not a finite limit to it in one sense, because every single day, another celestial body gives us billions of trillions of gazillions of kilowatts of energy every minute of every day, the sun. And that sustains everything and renews it and, and rebuilds it. And it's just a question of us as humans getting into that rhythm and, and melding into it so that we don't damage and destroy it. I get very frustrated uh, when I hear about various green uh, um, protocols and, and, and initiatives. And they forget the, the, the biggest thing of all is pollution and, and pollution, just waste. I mean, we're, we are, I mean, of all the things, you know, you might disagree with global warming, you might disagree with X, Y, Z, but the reality is rubbish, waste, plastic in the oceans, you know, waste sites full of rubbish. Actually, we're getting sustainable fuel out of them. Oddly enough, we get gas out of them, which is pumped into people's houses and used as fuel for heating and cooking. Um, but you know, there's, there's a way to get a balance better. And these sustainable fuels are just that, Colin. So they're mm -hmm. either grown on mm -hmm. an annual basis. Very, very interesting technology to make them. I, I heard of one, one, uh, one um, university uh, professor I spoke to on one occasion. I, I, I met him quite fortuitously in an airport and we got talking about it. And he was from the, the university of one of the universities, I think it was in uh, Minnesota. And he was telling me that uh, they have, they, they had these, I think there were 50,000 gallon vats of oil, uh, vegetable oil, that they could add uh, effectively uh, biological um, organisms to, you know, a, 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 a nanite for want of a better word, I don't know what you would call it. Um, and it would go in and it would activate. So you had to raise this first vat up to a particular temperature. I think you had to raise it from whatever it was at. It had to go up to about 35 degrees. And at 35 degrees, all these little organisms activated. And they went through this oil and they changed it. And they changed it from what it was into, into something that was sustainable as a fuel. And this process didn't even take that long. It was like about three days. And it, it generated more heat. And what happened is it got to the end. The temperature went up. So they, what, they, what they then did was they then pumped it, pumped it through a heat exchanger, this, this amount of fuel, into the next 50,000-gallon vat. And they got that next 50,000-gallon vat up to the 35 degrees. And oh, and by the way, as the temperature of the first one drops down, these little uh, microbes, the, the, the elements that they, they added in, and it was something ridiculous like five litres. It was you know, into a 50,000-gallon, it, it was a gallon of this into 50,000 gallons. They all came back to where they started from. They re-emerged. And you literally took that pot. They all kind of came back to the right place. And they, they put it into the next one. It sounds like science fiction to me. Sounds like kombucha. Except, it, mm. it, except it, it, I, I was assured it wasn't. I have actually spoken to other fuel experts. And they tell me this is kind of how it works. There, there's various processes that people are trying. Sustainable. Mm. So, so that's George, sustainable one, one last fuel. question. We've only got fuel. a minute or two left, George. But one last question. Um, that's all fascinating, and I and I now will go away and do some more work on on understanding sustainable mm. fuels. It, very quickly, you have a minute to answer this, George. One minute, set the timer, Lise. Uh, is this sustainable fuel? Is it a viable alternative going forward for motorsport and combustion engines? Is it something that you think has a future that might that might mean that we don't have to go down this this highly prescribed electric route that everyone seems to imagine we're going down? 
Yes, I think there is, Colin. Uh, for one simple reason is that the, the internal combustion engine takes a massive amount of half of its fuel, more than half of its fuel, uh, comes out of the air. It's the oxygen. It's burning oxygen. Uh, oxygen is part of the fuel. So you're only carrying part of the fuel. With an electric car, you're having to carry all of the fuel, which is why they're much heavier and, uh, and less effective. If we get some big steps in battery storage, there is a great chance. A great, I'm not inside, I'm still inside my minute and I'm taking an extra 10 seconds for saying that. <laughs> the, uh, uh, there, there, is still, there is still a possibility that battery technology can make some quantum steps. Um, lithium technology yeah. was a good step, but not that. It was, it was a pretty big step, but not, not where it needs to be in order to be primary form of transport. Currently at the moment, all the governments are saying in Britain, they're saying it oh, will be all electric by 2030. All electric by 2030. I was down in uh, Ninewells Hospital uh, on was it on Tuesday. I was down there. There are three charging stations. There yeah. are two and a half thousand people work there. Uh, yeah. How on earth are you going to get people to drive into the, into work? And, and people in hospitals have to work. And the reason I say hospitals is because they have to work. Yeah. Oh. And do you really want people to spend an extra hour and a half, two hours a day getting to to and from work because people just ain't going to do it. You know, we are we are expecting rapid transport. This revolution into electric, I, into sustainable fuel has to maintain that. Otherwise, people will find another solution. I have to go. Yes, you do. Well done, lads. Um, <laughs> you, you will never get this. Was, goodbye, this is good. This is, this is good stuff. Podcast. You're all so horribly rude. <laughs> no, no, it's really interesting. And I, 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 am, I genuinely find it really interesting. David will be putting more and more. He's getting really into the, the hybrid and biofuel Enormously. debate massively. So you need to check out dirtfish.com for more on that. More from our fabulous senior staff writer, David Evans, will be there daily. Voice of Rally, Colin Clark, also sometimes contribute stuff, as does George Donaldson, where you really need to get down to the technical um, precision. And that's, that's where George really thrives on that. Um, thanks, guys. I've really enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch, at Dirtfish Rally on Twitter is perhaps the best way. And we'll be back with another episode of Spin the Rally Pod very soon. Thanks, Thank ladies. you.